0: Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders.
1: What is going on, guys? Josh Savo here. Before we get into today's podcast episode, I wanted to uh, speak a little bit about our membership program that we created a little over six months ago. At this point, uh, if you're not familiar, what we did is we built this platform that gives members discounts of up to 50% off 90 plus startups. Many of these startups are the brands that we interview on this podcast. Um, So the reason we created the platform is really to help uh, outdoor enthusiasts discover new innovative startups really related to their favorite outdoor activities, whether it's skiing, climbing, hiking, camping, whatever, really, um, and be able to get a discount on them. So basically in addition to that, you can also apply to become an ambassador for for these brands um, all from one location. You can do it basically with a click of a button. It makes it super simple. Uh, we'll also showcase a lot of the new products that these brands are working on. Uh, you can get access to demo and trade show deals up to 60% off all of their stuff at the end of the season. Um, and lastly, we have a private Facebook group for everyone who participates uh, to get to know us and each other on a more personal level and really help us um, build the future for really the outdoor space and Showcase new innovative brands. So, if you want to check it out, head over to readyyeti.com slash members, and uh, you can get your first month free. What is going on, Ready Yeti podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host on today's episode. I'm sitting down with one of the co-founders of Bivisac, Connor Halliday. How, how are you doing, Connor?
0: Hey, I'm I'm doing well today. Josh, how are you?
1: I'm good. I'm good. So you're you're uh, we're connecting. You're in Calgary, um, Cal. Um, California, <laughs> Calgary, Canada, <laughs> where um, on top of Bivy Sack, you're also a, a real estate lawyer for an energy company, right?
0: Yep. Yep. So that's uh, that's my J job. That's what I'm doing until uh, Bivy Sack <laughs> blows up. So just going to keep grinding.
1: <laughs> Definitely. So it's an interesting dynamic. I'd love um, okay, so for the listener that may not be familiar with Vivisac, um quick sort of overview. You guys offer a quarterly subscription box um, really catered towards the, the season, right? Fall, summer, winter um, for outdoor gear and product. And so the idea is you pay um, $74.97 uh, a box and you get between $100 and $150 worth of gear from new, upcoming, uh, and established brands, right?
0: Yep, totally. You nailed
1: it. Awesome, and so you've been around for, uh, from twenty thirteen to twenty fourteen, sort of when you got your start. Um, and I, I guess around that, there weren't that many. Uh, there's really still aren't that many businesses in the subscription box world in the outdoor space. But what really uh, got you started in this? I know you've got two co-founders, and Eric and Joe. So how did you guys really come together and, and start this thing?
0: Yeah, so um, I think the, the the brainchild was Eric, uh, my partner in Colorado. But he basically, uh, we're all outdoor enthusiasts, you know, kind of weekend warrior types. Um, and we enjoy, uh, obviously as part of our, our, our outdoor passion, uh, buying gear. And it's something that, you know, like every outdoor enthusiast can really relate to, you know, just going to, um, REI or, you know, whatever your favorite local gear store is and just, um, purchasing new cool stuff or whatever outdoor activity you do. So, um, you know, with the with the out or with the the box craze, so subscription boxes really blew up. I'll call it like twenty thirteen. Um, and I believe it was Eric's wife used to get Birch Box. Um, and he, he just had the idea that it would be really cool for uh, to have a subscription box um, that we could that, that we as outdoor enthusiasts could look forward to receiving. Uh, so yeah, that was that was where it started. Um, you know quickly gained some traction in terms of uh, the companies that that we partnered with so some really cool companies like buff noon Patagonia um, some really smaller companies uh, outdoor edge 12 survivors Freshy Tech uh, but but just it was super fun just to peruse uh, various outdoor gear providers websites and then reach out and just try and solidify a partnership and which everyone's you know, there are a lot of big established companies, but there's a lot of small guys trying to make it. So we felt like everyone we reached out to was pretty collaborative and excited to work with us. Um, yeah, so that's how we started.
1: So what's your background? You're originally from, uh, from Colorado, and so are your co-founders. Um, so, Did you grow up sort of in the out- – obviously, being in Colorado, you're sort of a little bit more immersed in sort of the outdoor culture. But what, what, did, you, what did you grow up doing that really ultimately led you to this?
0: Yeah, yeah. So for me, uh, grew up in Colorado Springs, Colorado. So really, right in the um, right at the foot footstep of the of the mountains there. Um, but yeah, grew up. Uh, you know, my dad, my parents never had much money, so we grew up camping quite a bit. So I've always had a love for the outdoors. Um, uh, moved to uh, went to law school in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which there there weren't many outdoor activities. But then uh, upon graduation, was moved up to Anchorage, Alaska. So I was right in the thick of things, you know, drive 20 minutes and you're in the middle of, you know, the great white north. Um, so really just re-engaged then, you know, really got into skiing, ice climbing, mountaineering, um, and just fell in love with gear again. You know, it was fun just at that point, finally starting to, to make some money again and um, to be able to spend that money on gear. <laughs> um, but yeah, from Anchorage, uh, got moved to Houston for a year, which... Again, not a whole lot of outdoor activities there, but uh, was moved thereafter to Calgary, which, um, you know, the Canadian Rockies are fabulous. So um, typically in the mountains every weekend, it's fun to, to use all my gear that I get from Bivy Sack out there. Um, yeah, so. So how did, how did
1: you connect with your two co-founders, Eric and Joe, and really solidify <laughs> the business? And then... It's sort of a unique structure, and where the three of you have pretty intense day li- Daily lives, where you know Joe yeah. is a U.S. captain, Eric is a CFO, and has a ton of other things going on, along being having two kids, and you're a lawyer, and um, you have Joe, Josh, and Austin sort of running the daily operations of it. How, how did that all sort of come to be?
0: Yeah, so pretty interesting story. I mean, and so obviously Eric had the idea. Uh, Eric and I used to wait tables together in college, so both waited tables at a resort in Colorado Springs, um, and always just, you know, sitting in the back, uh, you know, always just trading ideas, so those kind of guys that sit around and banter and have all these great ideas, and and so we had bantered ideas around together for, God, call it, you know, five, six, seven years, um, and he finally came to me with this and was like, man, let's let's do this, let's create this. Um, and so, like every, like, basically every every business faux pas that that we could make, we made. You know, we we didn't we jumped into it without a business plan. We incorporated right away. We <laughs> so we it was it's been really awesome. I mean, we basically went to the school of hard knocks and starting a small business, um, but it had been pretty successful, or relatively speaking. Um, yeah, but so Eric and I had that bond, and then Eric and Joe were close friends. So. Uh, Eric brought Joe in right away. Joe was, uh, like I said, a, a captain in the U.S. Army. Um, you know, he's served for 20 some odd years, but he's been interested in transitioning out of, he transitioned out of the military, I believe, two years ago. So this was part of his transition plan um, to have something set up that he could that he could come into. Um, so yeah, the three of us dove right into it. Um, like I said, it was interesting because we, we quickly realized we were Good idea, man. Good at getting things done, good at establishing relationships. But we were lacking um, that millennial know how of, you know, um, I guess call it the technology uh, widget. So, uh, engaged with Josh, actually met Josh on Elance. Uh, We got him to do some initial programming for us and set up our website. And we realized he was a pretty bright guy. So, utilized him in other aspects. And then Josh was partners with Tyler. Um, And as time went on, just really realized that Eric, Joe, and I were too busy. I mean, Eric's got three kids. Joe's um, full-time at another gig now. Um, I My day job's pretty uh, intense in terms of the fact I'm a um, real estate attorney for a, uh, a really great company, but, yeah, pretty demanding. Um, so, yeah, we transitioned it to those guys to be the operating uh, partners. So now it's fun. We kind of get to sit back and, and cruise.
1: It's not a bad way to set it up. You know, it, I think it's um... – it's interesting because it's uh, especially on our podcast. Uh, I've at this point interviewed a little over seventy founders uh, of startups, small business in the outdoor space, and this is definitely a very unique sort of structure. Where uh, most businesses, I feel, they um, founders they either uh, quit their job completely, <laughs> take their savings, and start a business, and hope to God that before they run out of money, uh, it's turning a profit, right, and paying their bills. Yeah. And then the second option is, um, okay, start building a project on the side while you still have your full-time gig and then eventually transition full-time. And I think it's interesting between the three of you guys sort of keeping that full-time and then bringing in um, other parties to sort of help you um, sort of do that uh, that um, operational side of the business and build it that way. And then eventually I assume the goal is to turn it into something that's full-time for, for everyone involved or –
0: Yeah, I mean, I kind of kind of where we're going is, um, uh, you know, to be determined. Obviously, we're interested at this point in continuing to grow, continuing to solidify that uh, subscriber base. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think I think best case scenario is I think we're all serial entrepreneurs. So probably get our business to that critical mass where someone bigger comes in and acquires us. Um, and then we take that capital and start something else. you know, um, as fun as Bivy Sack is, uh, I think we're those kind of guys where, and, and I get this from Josh and Tyler as well, even though I don't know him as well, um, where you know, I, I really think there's there's a lot of fun parts to running a business, but you know, it's pretty exciting in the first couple years when things get rolling and then you actually are turning a profit and then you're cranking along. so, while I enjoy the day-to-day, I think I enjoy starting, um, starting something more. So so where we're going, um, it's to be determined. I mean, we're going to continue to enjoy the success we're having today and, and continue to plan for tomorrow, build a subscriber base, partner uh, with a number of additional cool companies. We're assessing – we've got a huge demand for international subscribers, so uh, assessing tax implications right now. Um, yeah, and just working through some of those, those finer details.
1: Definitely. And what's the growth been like since you guys started? I and mean, obviously, the, the key number really is subscribers, right? The subscribers that you're sending these boxes to. So, from that beginning,
0: what, what does that growth curve look like? Yeah, it's been interesting because <laughs> uh, right when we started, you know, a, another business learning, um, neither Eric, Joe, or I had any background in marketing. So, uh, we initially came out and, and had these like animated videos created and we were trying to get them on YouTube. And, and then we quickly learned about box openings on YouTube and, uh, got a couple box openings that really spiked our subscriber base. Um, well, actually I'm going to give away all our, 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 uh, secrets now, but, uh, you know, who cares? <laughs> um, yeah. And then, Uh, We got featured in a couple gift guides, which was a big one. Uh, We got featured in 5280, which is a Denver uh, magazine. So being in Colorado, we really wanted to focus on Colorado and just the outdoor enthusiasts there. Um, And then we got picked up by Outdoor Magazine um, last year. So Outdoor featured us as well, uh, which that was a big, big, um, big boost in our subscriber base. Uh, So much so that, (laughs) and I'll tease Josh about this. Uh, initially our website crashed because we had so much traffic to the website and we, so we had to tweak that really quick and you know we no harm no foul we didn't we didn't really lose too many subscribers or anything or anyone trying to sign up but um yeah and so now typically like with josh and and tyler um you know just trying to take more advantage of social media um and sure we're posting uh bivy b-i-v-y s-a-k um you know on on a Instagram, Facebook, um, those guys tweet sometimes so yeah, just taking advantage of all areas. Definitely. So going back
1: to when you started, what was the, the real process in um, you, you mentioned this a little bit in picking some brands that you liked, but really aggregating the box and then figuring out the logistics and then coming up with the pricing and making sure that um, you had you know profit really built into the into the into the product right? Man,
0: it's tough. Like, honestly, uh, we try to coordinate, obviously, the boxes with the seasons. So, you know, you want to have a seasonal theme, um, you know, obviously based on the four traditional seasons. Um, So, yeah, you go out and you kind of say, all right, if I were, if I wanted to uh, create a box for the summer, what would I create? Well, camping. So um, you try and, and in in each box, we try and have a premier item, something that we know people are going to get excited about and see the quality in. Uh, And then we try and spice it up. I mean, we we throw in uh, as many, um, you know, new and upcoming uh, companies as we can. Um, Typically, those providers are really willing to, um, you know, provide us with the product at at a pretty big price break. Whereas, you know, if we're throwing in Patagonia or um, GSI Outdoors or something as our premier item, those guys are just going to give us wholesale pricing. So it's it's not going to be, you know, something over the top. So we, we have to ensure... Because um, really, you're making a pretty small margin on uh, profit on each box, um, so the economics get pretty interesting. Because you know, there's been there's been quarters where we've actually taken losses on boxes, but we've thought, okay, we want to we want to make this box. Um, you know, we we want our subscribers to be more excited about this box than the last, or you, you know, just because you know, sometimes you're putting together a box and you think it's going to be a great box you think it's awesome, but then, you know, you'll get some negative feedback. So then you start to feel bad and the emotional side kicks in and, you know, you want to ensure the next box is better, even at, you know, against all business principles, you know, we're going to, we're going to build our brand and we're going to invest in our um, subscribers more this quarter and we're going to actually take a loss this quarter. So yeah, there's some, there's some interesting economics. Like, in terms of when you start playing with the numbers and um, the returns, so that's that's really
1: interesting. Now, uh, along this journey, did you have any mentors that really helped you guys sort of figure everything out and get BibiSac to where it is today?
0: <laughs> oh man, um, I'd say not in a traditional sense. You know, we've gone out and looked for capital and um, talked to some um, private equity type. Uh, venture capitalists, and a lot of the questions that they ask uh, were kind of outside our wheelhouse. I mean, I I think a a lot of our background, I mean, my background's in law. Eric does um, downstream uh, logistics for an oil and gas company, and Joe's been in the U.S. military, you know, leading missions overseas. So, yeah, none of us really had a lot of the... um, the chops to put things together in terms of a, I, what you'd call your typical business format. With that said, uh, you know, that's probably the best place to be in terms of, you know, because we looked at this as, as one of two things. We looked at it as, one, let's create a successful business, but two, let's let let's just go out and do this so we can learn for ourselves. So, you know, people pay $150,000 a year to go get an MBA, and they probably learn half of what we have in terms of just starting something, um, granted, you know, we had our legal protections in place and I'm not advocating for anyone to go out and, and, and just start a business that way, because I think there are better ways. But, um, in terms of the way that we've created this and in the process that we've had, um, no, there hasn't been a whole lot of, of mentorship or anyone stepping in. And, um, you know, we've all, we've all, tapped our various resources uh, i've got a mentor that i go to with a lot and he's a very successful businessman and i've talked to him numerous times about vivi and <laughs> interesting back to your previous comment he's always been like man you got to cut ties with your company and you just got to go full you got to dive in because unless you're in it full time and unless you're engaging in building your business every hour of every day it's it'll only be so successful so um so yeah we'll see <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like every time I ask that question to someone, I expect, or at least when I was starting out, I was expecting them to tell me like, oh, this person, this person, this person. And the answer is always like, oh, it's sort of like a, a mishmash, right, of things. Yeah. And then like eventually once you get more established, then you go out and you find that person or you meet that person along the way uh, that can really give you some pretty good insights that's either done what you're doing before or it's sort of in a parallel business of some kind.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I met a girl in... Um One of my friend's sisters, I was at a wedding last summer and she was starting a, she was starting a company and she was like, hey, I'd really like to pick your brain. I'm starting this company and here's what I've done. And I literally sat down with her for like an hour and probably scared her because I was like, all right, here's what we've learned. Don't do this, this, and this, do this, (laughs) this, and this. And she was just like overwhelmed. And then she sent me like 10 follow-up emails and I was like, oh my God, like, but but it was fun to have that mentorship and steer people down the right path. and. Um, you know we've been lucky that we started bivy with our own capital um, in a relatively small amount and we've been able to and kind of keep things rolling um, without having that big influx uh, aside from our profits generated from our quarterly boxes
1: that's interesting so what is I, I guess the the daily operation right so you've got um, the three of you have full-time stuff and then you have got Jake and Austin sort of running uh Josh and Austin running sort of the daily stuff. What what is like what does a normal day look like for you? Like are you typically pretty swamped um with your day stuff and then you'll periodically uh work with Josh and Austin and everyone else sort of like with specific issues or like what what does that look like?
0: Man, honestly, Josh and Tyler, they run they run the day-to-day. I mean, I I probably check in with them once a quarter. And I'll just be like, "Hey guys, do you need some help with anything? You know what's going on." Um, we structured into the transfer agreement where we get a uh, a bivy sack each quarter, Eric, Joe, and I. So it's awesome to like, like I get to feel that excitement, like when my and I urge like anyone, we'll 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 make sure we send you a bivy sack um, just so you get one. Uh, but when you get your box and it's like sitting on your porch and you get it, like you're so pumped to see what's in it. So it's exciting. It's like. It's like Christmas a little bit every, every three months. Yeah. I, um, so yeah, they run the day to day. I mean, I, I provide them with some legal guidance, um, you know, from a very general sense. I mean, we've had to reach out to local counsel who have expertise in certain areas. Um, cause yeah, a lot of it deals with stuff that I'm not an expert in. I, I mean, I'm a, I have a general understanding, but, um, so yeah, we all opine in, um, Eric, Joe and I on different aspects when they ask, but ultimately like, We didn't want to, we didn't want to, to get too much into their business. Like these guys are good at what they do and they're good at taking um, something and and automating it and making it better. And so um, we had had our, we had set that foundation and it was kind of like, let's just let them run with it. Like we'd initially said, let's do like uh, biweekly meetings or monthly meetings and you know, like it just didn't feel right. It's like, no, like just let him run, see where it goes.
1: Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. So I guess my next question is really, what would you say has been the hardest part about really building Bivy and getting it to where it is now?
0: Um, I think the hardest part for me was the stress of having a day-to-day. So, you know, working a 10 to 12 hour day at my day job. Uh, and then coming home and having like, you know, someone with a comment, um, in our inbox or someone, um, needed to exchange a shirt size. And yeah, you're just, you're like tired at the end of the day and you don't want to, I mean, I want to get home and chill out, but then I start my next job and have to do this. And for me, it was, you know, like, I'm in a pretty good spot where I'm, I'm making decent money now, you know, like I'm 36. Um, I grinded hard through undergrad and hard in law school. And, and, you know, so I was looked forward to the days where I could come home and just chill out and do nothing or spend my weekends out in the mountains. And then I've got this other stress or this other obligation. So that really started, you know, a couple years in started to, to eat at me. And, and I know Eric and Joe felt the same, like there were times when we'd get emails and, we'd text each other and be like, it's your turn,
1: you know, like,
0: because <laughs> yeah. we're all perfectionists too, right? you know, like, you want to create a quality product, and you know your name's attached to the brand, and, um, you know, like, and we're good guys too, so we don't want to, you don't want to, if someone's like, man, I didn't get my box, or um, uh, I, you know, this shirt doesn't fit, like, you want to remedy it right away, you know, it's almost like, goes back to when Eric and I were waiting tables like if someone has a problem like you want to make their experience the best you can so I think that that was the hardest thing for me in grinding in that day-to-day so so yeah I'm glad now that Josh and Tyler can give it the attention that it needs
1: yeah no that's a really great point I, I'm sort of the same way where like if something breaks and I know it's going to take a little bit of time to fix it's like I just want to I just want to do it now and I want to Give it to that person that broke on (laughs) and be like, yeah, totally. It's all better. (laughs) I want it to be instantaneous and like getting comfortable with the idea that it does take a little bit of time uh, to fix out, fix problems or just if anything really goes wrong. um, It it takes a little bit to get used to that and understanding that, like, okay, we're working on it, it's going to get fixed, but it's going to take X amount of time to get to that point. Yeah. Um, What what does what is your greatest fear and how do you manage it
0: in regards to Um, You know, my greatest fear is that, like, this is a great idea. I mean, it is a great business model um, and there are competitors in this space. Uh, and I, so I think my greatest fear is just like any great idea you have. You know, like, you wake up one day and someone else has created that widget that you had the idea for. And, you know, they're sitting, you know, you, you read about how they they sold their widget for X amount of millions and and they're sitting on a beach somewhere. <laughs> you know, like yeah. that's probably my greatest fear is like, okay, well we've, we've, we've done this. We put in some of the hard work. We've transitioned it to these other really smart guys. And, um, but you know, you do wonder, all right, do I need to quit my day job and just, just leap and the net will appear and I'll just pour it all into this. And, um, so yeah, I think yeah, I wouldn't even call it a fear. I'd call it a discomfort because, Honestly, if Bivvy went nowhere from, you know, this point forward, I would still feel really happy about what I'd gotten from it. I mean, like I said before, man, like I've, I've transferred the skills I've learned at Bivvy into starting other businesses. So um, and giving advice on starting other businesses, which I think at the end of the day, ultimately, you know, like that's the fun part of, of being an entrepreneur. So.
1: Yeah, no, I I get that. So what what would have to happen uh, with Bibby for you to make that jump? I guess to go full time and and quit your day job.
0: Um, you know, I've thought about it. I mean, I I think like I think the fact of the matter is my life is really awesome right now. You know, like I work for a great company. Um, they respect my quality of life. Um, you know, I did just this year. I've had an awesome year. I took I took a month off in May and June and climbed Denali and. You know, like, I'm a, I am ai work for a corporation, and I'm a lawyer, and that's not supposed to happen. You're supposed to grind and not take any time off and just be chained to a desk. But I work for a really good company. Um, they respect my quality of life. I mean, I get part of this is 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 just, I don't know, I, I asked for it, but I get six weeks paid vacation. Um, <laughs> I mean, I have great health care, and it's not just being in Canada. Um which universal healthcare works, it's it's pretty awesome up here. Um uh no, uh but just yeah, really good. At, so so I think to walk away, um, I would probably I don't know, man, I'd probably something would have to take a major turn, uh, you know, like not living around mountains, my company moves me. Right, uh, right. And and I was like, All right, well I can go jump into this other thing, so
1: it's really interesting. No, I get it. It's like it, it, it's a very high. You, you're giving up a lot, right? To yeah. To, to make and it would the, the risk becomes exponentially higher, um, uh, for whatever bivy turns into in the future.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think it's also though like, um, oh man, it's kind of like one of those things where uh, there's. I think there reaches a certain point in your life where um, you just you want to go do something like this. You just want to leap and. Uh, so the risks aren't, I mean, I don't have kids right now, I'm not married, so I don't have those other responsibilities. Not to say that people who do can't leap, but um, if I were to make a move right now, it'd probably be a good time in my life. I mean, I've got some savings, but yeah, I just I don't have that urge. Um, like, I think Josh and Tyler are doing great with it, and I would hate to kind of jump back in and reinsert myself, so...
1: Yeah, I totally get that.
0: So w- what advice
1: would you give to someone that wanted to start a business, whether it was in the outdoor uh, sport world or or just really a business in general?
0: Yeah, I'd say make sure you're passionate about whatever you want to do, um, you know, in terms of, of starting a business. I think a lot of times people, when they start their business, they look at, um, they look at something that's very profitable, but maybe they have zero interest in, you know, like uh, – and i think having like whatever business you start if you're passionate about it you're going to be successful in it you know like there's a quote um don't ask what the world needs ask what makes you and inco- what makes you come alive go and do that because what the world needs is people who have come alive because you know and that that's kind of a, <laughs> a paraphrase of the quote but it's yeah like, you know like if you if you do what you're passionate about, you're going to succeed either one way or another. And even if you don't, you still love what you're trying to do. So uh, there's no harm in that. Uh, and I mean, again, absent um, shirking responsibilities, that's what we should be doing. And I think that's what we fail to do. So so I'd say, yeah, find that thing that makes you uh, excited to get up in the morning and, and start that business. And don't do it just just for money or don't do it just for status or a title you know so
1: yeah the most successful people that i know never did it for money it's always that they're passionate about whatever business it was that they built or created and it's really about creating something bigger than yourself um and i think that's such a great quote because it's true because like life's too short to do something that you're that you hate yeah, totally. And, and if you are fortunate enough to have that ability to really decide what you want to do with your life, it really is a it's it's a waste to 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 waste that, <laughs> you know, for lack exactly. of a better word. You know, you shouldn't waste that because if if you do have that, you are you are privileged to begin with. So, like yep. being able uh-huh. to take advantage of that is uh, it's almost you, you, it's your responsibility. <laughs> really, is how I feel.
0: Totally, man. I mean, and even to take that a step further, there there are people all over the world that are you know praying to god for another day on this earth because of some terminal illness and you know like again absent shirking those responsibilities of taking care of your family um i think like yeah i think you do yourself a disservice if you don't take advantage of those opportunities
1: yeah it's uh it's it's an interesting thing where you really don't think about it uh like in the daily right because you're just going through the motions but periodically just having that moment reflecting and being like, okay, am I doing what, what ultimately makes me happy? What what I feel like I'm a part of something bigger than myself. So that like 50, 60 years down the road or however you old you are, when you're on that point where you're at the twilight of your life and you're looking back, you're like, okay, did I do, you know, most of the things that I wanted to do with my life? Do I feel like I left this place in a better state than when I came into it? You know, all like very important questions. I'm trying to help yeah. you figure out what, what it is you're supposed to do.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, one of my other favorite quotes is um, "someday" is a code word for never. It's one of those (laughs) things. It's true. You sit around, you're like, "Oh, someday I'm going to start this business," and like, it's a watchword in my life. Like, if I find myself saying that in in any aspect, Denali. That's what I five years ago. I was in Anchorage, Alaska, and I was like, "Someday I'm going to climb Denali," and I was like, "Don't let this be one of those someday situations." So
1: yeah yeah,
0: yeah. I, I'm,
1: it's funny because i was saying that in my head as soon as you said uh you did denali i was like someday i'm gonna do denali <laughs>
0: yeah there you go man i got a good i know i know i know some good uh some good people to climb with if well,
1: you're interested I'll, I'll definitely have to <laughs> uh, hit you up for that <laughs> um, yeah. okay so where do you see bivy sack going in in the in the future in the next year five years ten years down the road
0: yeah, I just can see, I I mean, it's going to continue to expand. I mean, you look at these guys and just um, where they're taking it, um, their ideas. Some, sometimes they'll come to me with ideas on on marketing and, and um, kind of where they're going. And I'll constantly be like, hey, just run with it, fellas. So uh, I think there's nowhere to go but up. I mean, it's interesting, the market. Uh, you know, we initially started this thinking uh, outdoor enthusiasts would be the our main market, which they're not. I mean, like, you know, the guy who's out in the mountains every weekend loves to go to REI and shop for his own gear. So I think there's still quite a bit of untapped. um, I know there's a lot of untapped uh, subscribers out. I think when we hit that sweet spot, um, you know, where we do get to that critical mass uh, and some some more of the big uh, outdoor gear providers start providing us with some deeper discounts and even free stuff, just because they want to get their product into the hands of of, um, of as many subscribers as possible, uh, you know, like, I think it's, it'll just explode, man. Right now, we're kind of on that tipping point where, yeah, hey, like, if I'm starting an outdoor gear company, and I want to do some guerrilla marketing, and I want to get my product into to someone's hand, like, I can give it to these guys for free, and rather than spend that money on marketing, my product's going to get right to the the outdoor enthusiast and that person's like out at the crag and you know they're using the the piece of gear or they're out in the mountains and someone sees it like that's where gear marketing works i mean outdoor enthusiasts aren't on like i mean yeah i'm sure marketing in a traditional sense works but you know when i'm out in the outdoors and someone's got a sweet piece of gear i'm like hey where'd you get that what is it tell me about it you (laughs) know like yeah so you, you gotta get your piece of gear into the in Enthusiast hands, so they can be out there in the market, actually working for you. So, I think there's such a there's, I mean, there's no ceiling for it in terms of, of where it could go.
1: Yeah, I, I um, it's it's always fun and exciting to think about the future um, with your business. Now, I want to ask you, what's what was the best
0: part, or is the best part about starting Bibi Um, oh man, I guess you know it's probably probably the gear aspect. i mean when we used to build the boxes we would have a rotation between eric joe and i whose box that that was the fun part like we'd get on a call we had a weekly call and you'd get on and and when we started talking about the next quarter's box you'd be like well i want to have a picnic theme and these are the different products i'm going to put in and then we'd debate and people'd be like you could just hear people googling and being like what about this piece what about this what about this piece of gear? Let's put this in there. And then we'd start running the economics and man, that was fun. It's fun putting together a box. I mean, think about it. If you had to put together um, a sweet box of outdoor gear that was seasonally uh, themed, you had a very limited budget, um, you know, like it's a challenge. It's definitely a puzzle. I mean, once you, once you've done a few boxes, you can't repeat, you know, you try not to repeat products, Um, you know, you want to have quality type gear in the box. Uh, so yeah, that was probably the best part.
1: Yeah. The gear really is cool. (laughs) At least it's one of my favorite parts about ready Eddy being able to try and, and use all, all the gear from all the brands that we work with. It's, um, It's definitely unique. And all my friends are are like, I'll go skiing or whatever. And then be like, All right, what, what, how many brands are you wearing right now? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. (laughs) You know what I mean? How much of your gear right now is from from your site? And I'm like, All right, well, there's this. And then, you (laughs) know, and I'll go through the list or like I'll be sitting on the lift and I'll have a pair of skis from uh, one of our brands called Slant. And I've got a bamboo veneer um, as the top sheet. And then our graphic is uh, is etched in in the base. Graph uh graphic of the ski and so like oh, that's sweet yeah it's awesome it's like I love this pair of skis and like anytime I'm in the lift line or on the lift people are always like looking at my skis and then looking at me and then like after they do that a few takes they're like okay what are those <laughs> and I'm yeah. like oh they're the slant skis they're based here this is their their deal or whatever and it's always fun to just talk about the gear and and show it off <laughs>
0: yeah
1: um, and you get to drop
0: it on I'm like you can get it right here
1: exactly exactly. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, Connor, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, share your story and how you started Bivy Sack and really what it's turning into and what the future holds for it. But for the listener that would like to keep tabs on everything that's going on with Bivy Sack, where's, where's the best place for them to do that?
0: Yeah, so you can check out BivySack.com. So that's B as in boy, I, V as in Victor, Y, S as in Sam, dot So BivySack.com. We just redid our website. It's awesome. Um, yeah, if you reach out and you let you let uh, when you subscribe, if you let them know that you heard about us on this uh, podcast, we'll go ahead and give you a ten percent discount off your first box. So, I'm um, yeah, really pumped, and um, you can follow us on Instagram as well. Again, it's Bivy Sack uh, Facebook page. So, um, yeah, definitely check us out.
1: Definitely, and and for the listeners listening to this before uh, the 26th of December, you can head over to Ready to enter to win. Uh, a box along with a ton of other gear from uh, other startups in the outdoor space. Um, So that's through December 26th. And with that, Connor, thanks so much for, for taking the time to chat with me.
0: Yeah, man, for sure. I appreciate it.
1: If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready 8 Podcast. We'll catch you guys next
0: week.